Hey, happy Friday. Welcome to another episode of Lex Line, brought to you in conjunction with our friends at Rug Radio, where we talk about the latest legal developments in crypto, Web3, and blockchain. And boy, have we had an interesting week in that front. Nothing we talk about is ever considered legal or financial advice, strictly my opinions on what's going on in the space. If you have a specific legal question and you do decide to join the conversation, understand this is a recorded Twitter space. You probably shouldn't talk about legal stuff without the privacy of attorney-client privilege, so do that in a different conversation, not in a recorded Twitter space. If you missed the live broadcast, always available. You can catch us on Apple and Spotify podcasts. Wanted to start the conversation off today with probably the biggest event that has happened in the crypto legal space in quite some time, and that is Coinbase's motion and the hearing that was had this week in the SEC lawsuit. Wanted to kind of give a little TLDR about it and sort of set the stage for what's going on here and why this is so very important to the space. I think it's pretty obvious, the ramifications of this, the consequences if this does not go Coinbase's way, ultimately in the end, could be pretty bad for the overall crypto marketplace in the United States. What is really at stake in this case is the exact legal limits of what the SEC can do with its regulatory enforcement powers when it comes to cryptocurrencies. And this hearing, although I did not get to listen to all of it, was in between meetings and so forth, but did catch enough of it and saw some great reporting out there from crypto media outlets in the space who were sort of covering it in real time to get a good gist of what happened in court. And I think it can only be characterized as a very, very strong showing by Coinbase's outstanding legal team. The judge, impressive on all fronts, was clearly very, very well prepared for this case, asked very nuanced pointed questions which cut to the crux of what is going on here. She clearly did her homework. Remember that this is the same judge who recently dismissed the class action lawsuit against Uniswap uh, with respect to individuals who had been taken by, I guess, scam tokens on that platform. She granted uh, relief in favor of Uniswap in that case. So this is a judge who does understand cryptocurrency, a very, very bright jurist, SEC, I think, was on the ropes for a lot of this hearing. Um, They were struggling. It almost seemed to me, in my humble opinion, that they were trying to advocate for positions that they were, I guess, required to go in and argue on behalf of the SEC, but perhaps they themselves may have realized these arguments are not necessarily going in the right direction and seem to at times be a little bit circular. And the judge was very, very, uh, very on top of the SEC and keeping him to task, asking very pointed questions. So let's boil it down for those who are not 100% familiar with this case. We know that uh, the SEC sued Coinbase last year, and the SEC charged that they are engaging in a platform which is trading cryptocurrency tokens that should be regarded as securities. And Coinbase fired back 
in a very interesting move and filed a 12C motion. This is a motion for judgment on the pleadings. Essentially, what Coinbase is asking the court to do is to look at the complaint that the SEC filed and to look at the answer that Coinbase delivered and make a decision whether this should go any further based on those documents. Now, one of the interesting things that is worth talking about is there's a subtle nuance in what Coinbase did here. What you generally see when it comes to litigation in federal court is the 12B6 motion to dismiss for failure to state a claim upon which relief can be granted. This has a legal standard. Basically, the court has to determine whether the complaint contains factual allegations that, if true, would state a claim to relief that is plausible on its face. They're essentially testing the limits of the complaint. Now, they, in doing that, the courts must consider the entire complaint, not just isolated parts. They've got to look at the full scope of what's been alleged. Generally, the court does not consider matters outside the pleadings. What's interesting about the 12C approach is that it's a little bit different standard. Under the 12C approach, the court basically uses kind of the same failure to state a claim standard. It looks at the, the sufficiency of both the complaint and the answer filed by Coinbase. It looks at the plausibility of the, of the complaint. The complaint must contain sufficient factual matters that if accepted as true, would state a claim for relief that is plausible on its face. What does that basically mean? Basically means the SEC's allegations must do more than merely speculate or suggest the possibility of securities violations. They must show that it is plausible that Coinbase violated the securities laws. The court can look at the pleadings that uh, allege these violations, and the court can also look outside in certain aspects at what is generally known. So there can be facts that are out there that both sides would basically have to agree or general knowledge that the court can also consider, which is why if you notice from the hearing, the judge pointed to comments by the SEC, the court pointed to the Hinman memo, the court pointed to Senator Loomis and what she's had to say about crypto regulation. So it gives the court a little bit broader scope of information that the court can look at and it sets the table for an interesting debate. So what did Coinbase say in their motion to dismiss that caused this hearing to have to go forward? What they essentially did when they filed their motion for judgment on the pleadings pursuant to Civil Rule of Procedure 12C is they're arguing, number one, that there is no investment contract in any of the transactions for any of the 12 specific tokens that the SEC cited in their complaint. Coinbase is basically asserting that the transactions involving the 12 tokens identified in the complaint, which occur on Coinbase's secondary market through Coinbase Prime, those don't constitute investment contracts. We can go back to previous episodes and talk about the Howey test and investment contracts and so forth, but let's just assume we all know what that means. This is, according to Coinbase, 
a, a basis for dismissal of this lawsuit because they don't uh, in any way, in the way they're offering these 12 tokens, they don't grant the purchaser any contractual right to profits, income, or assets of a business enterprise. These are all things that the Coinbase legal team was arguing are very, very critical to the definition of an investment contract. Essentially, what Coinbase is arguing in their motion to dismiss is these transactions are characterized as simple asset sales with obligations of the buyer and seller being discharged at the point of sale, period, end of story. This argument is pretty well grounded in the definition of an investment contract as defined by the Howey test. The Howey test is that super old Orange Grove Supreme Court case that interpreted securities laws. And one of the things that was very hotly debated in the motion to dismiss hearing was whether this is the appropriate test for cryptocurrencies. I think what may come out of this case ultimately could be an appealable issue, because no matter what the outcome of this case, I suspect an appeal will follow, whether it's granted at the motion to dismiss level, which I, I doubt. I think there might be a partial granting of a motion here, but I think something's going to go forward to trial, and there will be uh, ultimately at the end of this, because of what is at stake, an appeal. And what could end up happening here is we could get some very clear, concise rulings that could go up on appeal and set the table for perhaps either a federal appellate court or maybe even the Supreme Court to consider revising the Howey test when it comes to cryptocurrencies. The judge made it very clear that it seems almost to be a little bit antiquated. So the judge definitely pushed back on that. Now, what else did Coinbase raise in their motion to dismiss? Coinbase's role as a broker and wallet provider. Coinbase challenges the SEC's claim that it operates as a, quote, broker, end quote, of investment contracts by providing wallet software to users. So we've already talked about the fact they say that these 12 currencies they're offering on Coinbase's platform for secondary sales are not true investment contracts because it's just basically buy, sell, end of story. You buy the token, you sell this token using Coinbase, end of story. The next argument is that the tokens that are being offered, uh, which the SEC says customers can self-custody using Coinbase's wallet, it is not alleged to carry more rights to a share in any enterprise than the other 12 tokens identified in the lawsuit. Coinbase is basically saying in this portion of their motion that the complaint does not provide evidence suggesting that Coinbase's function as a, quote, broker under securities laws by, allowsing, by allowing users to store and access their digital assets independently in any way rises to a securities violation. Another issue is staking. The SEC went after Coinbase because they offer staking of certain select cryptocurrencies. So in this part of their motion to dismiss, Coinbase contends that the staking service does not constitute unregistered securities. This argument is based on two points. Firstly, staking service customers do not make an investment of money when staking through Coinbase's software. And secondly, the rewards earned by stakers are not due to the management efforts of others. That's one of those elements in the Howey test. Instead, the service 
The services provided by Coinbase in connection with staking are characterized as ministerial IT services. The judge in the hearing was very receptive to this argument by Coinbase and likened what the staking service is to simply interest earned on money deposited in a bank account, which is fascinating analysis. And I think she found this to be probably one of the weaker points that the SEC is trying to establish in their complaint. However, I will say with a caveat, this judge was very thorough, asked incredibly pointed questions, and was clearly very well prepared for this hearing. But in my experience, it's very difficult to discern from a judge's questions during a hearing which way the judge is going to ultimately go on the issues. So while the judge may have said in the hearing that this might be one of coin uh, might be one of the SEC's weaker arguments in so many words that doesn't mean that it it will uh be dismissed out of the complaint it's it's very plausible that the court is simply just thinking out loud and may come to a completely different conclusion in its written order the next issue that was challenged is the SEC's jurisdiction and regulatory authority this is really ground zero here because this case is setting the stage for an epic battle as to how far the SEC can go in their power grab here when it comes to cryptocurrency. Coinbase is essentially arguing that the SEC has overstepped its delegated authority. They highlight that Coinbase has been a publicly traded company since 2021, that its core business activities have been known and not objected to by the SEC until recently. Because remember, Coinbase went public. They had to apply to the SEC to go public. The SEC knew full well what the business model was and gave them the blessing to go public. They're stressing here that there's also no point that at no point in the SEC allowing Coinbase to go public and listing it and listing it as a stock on the on the NASDAQ, that it implicitly recognized the adequacy of the information provided to the public by Coinbase or its offerings. Their argument essentially is implying that the SEC's current stance conflicts with its earlier position and that Congress, not the SEC, should have regulatory authority over digital assets. Because remember, we're, we're working in this regulatory by enforcement sort of environment right now because we don't have clear legislation from Congress. The SEC and Gary Ginsler have seized on this legislative vacuum when it comes to clear law and interpretation of what the securities laws should be and how they should apply to digital assets. It's kind of in a vacuum right now because we can't get anything through Congress. Being in an election year now for the presidential election, highly unlikely we're going to see any legislation. Going back to the hearing, this was an interesting aspect of the hearing as well, because I think the judge was very receptive to this as well and pushed on the SEC counsel about Senator Loomis and the bills that she sponsored. And the, 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 the exchange got a little bit heated between the judge and the SEC counsel about this very issue, because uh, the judge was sort of pointing out that you're saying, with all due respect to Senator Loomis, uh, you know, she's wrong. And the judge kind of called him out on that. And I think the judge regards what's happening in Congress and the attempts to try to rein in the SEC as being something that the court should consider here in the scope of reach. So this opinion could really set the table for 
I would think perhaps clipping the wings of the SEC when it comes to their reach in the cryptocurrency digital asset realm. Again, until we get legislative clarity from Congress and something that can actually go across the president's desk and get signed into law, this is what we're stuck with. And this is not the ideal situation to be handling this industry because you can see by the stock price today of Coinbase how disruptive all of this has been to the digital assets sector. This is really, and you see the headlines when you look at Coinbase and, and, and what you see with respect to the reporting, this is a big deal. And the ramifications of this ruling could have significant ramifications for Coinbase and for other digital asset uh, service providers in the United States. Now, another issue that was touched on, which I think the judge finds to be uh, one of the more gray areas that she may have authority to dismiss and, and, and grant relief for Coinbase is this major questions doctrine issue. Coinbase invoked the major questions doctrine, which is something that's evolving as we speak. It's something that's newly being tested by the Supreme Court. What they're suggesting is that significant regulatory decisions should be made by Congress. So this is like a separation of powers issue here, where you have the SEC, which falls under the executive branch of government, is overreaching its mandate as granted by Congress, who writes the laws, and regulating this sector because of this lack of clarity. So essentially what they're saying is Congress should be dictating what the SEC as an agency can do. And Coinbase is citing this doctrine in support of their argument that the SEC's attempt to expand its jurisdiction over digital assets exceeds its authorized regulatory scope. For anyone who is deep in the weeds in cryptocurrency and on Twitter, you know that this is a common argument that's been made that the SEC is essentially engaging in regulation by enforcement and kind of grabbing this power vacuum to establish their reach with respect to cryptocurrency regulation. And many people are finding this to be unacceptable. So those are the, I guess, five major points that Coinbase has raised in their motion. And this resulted in a, I believe it was in July, that the court had a pre, uh, pre-hearing conference to sort of set the stage for what the issues were going to be that the court would consider. In, in that hearing, and there is a transcript available of that hearing, uh, the critical issues were sort of laid out by both sides to kind of set the table for what the arguments might be. And the court uh, was very, very uh, keen on making sure that it understood the limits of what it could consider. There was some debate over what in the record and outside the record could be brought up. And this judge uh, really, uh, I, I, very much, I have to say again, very, very impressed with how she's handling all of this. So what happened in the summary uh, of the of the pre-hearing in comparison to what actually went down in the hearing? So the pre-hearing transcript touched on certain areas that the judge wanted to explore. The SEC's argument. The SEC argued that Coinbase operates as an unregistered exchange, bringing together buyers and sellers, which, con- which creates what they're arguing is a conflict of interest 
as it also acts as a broker, dealer, and clearing agency. They're essentially arguing that Coinbase offers at least 13 tokens that are securities, thereby making it an unregistered broker dealer, a securities exchange, and a clearing slash settlement agent. This creates conflict issues as far as the SEC is concerned. And this is what they stressed in the pre-hearing transcript. The judge inquired into this as far as the nature of the tokens that they claim are being offered as securities rather than being just simple assets. The judge touched on the Howey test as the criteria for defining securities. The SEC stance is that the tokens are securities because they are tied to developers and an ecosystem with investments, quote, depending on the efforts of others for profit. Again, this is a real stretch for the SEC because arguably, okay, maybe token by token, apply the Howey test, assuming the Howey test is the right test and we don't get a new test out of this case. But how does Coinbase play into this expectation? So that's one of the issues that was teed up in the pre-hearing conference. Then there was the SEC's view as far as development and ecosystem. The SEC maintained in that hearing uh, that stage of development, including ICOs and SAFTs, doesn't change the nature of the token as a security. Their focus was on the value proposition offered to investors by developers. There was also a discussion about specific tokens, including Bitcoin. The SEC and the judge discussed specific tokens, including Bitcoin, and the SEC was distinguishing Bitcoin as it was not a security due to its lack of ecosystem. Um, we still don't have clarity on whether they consider ETH to be a security or not. This just opens up that whole Pandora's box. Coinbase's function and role. The SEC in the pre-hearing uh, argued that Coinbase's operations, such as enabling swapping and having a wallet service, are akin to brokerage functions, which surpass the traditional broker's uh, role, such as like E-Trade, for example. They touched on the staking aspects. The SEC and the judge debated whether staking is akin to earning interest on a bank account, like we previously discussed. That came up during the live hearing. The SEC is claiming that Coinbase's role in staking makes it part of a security undertaking. They really, in the hearing, could not uh, flesh this out, and I don't think the judge is buying it. Implications for token purchasers. There was also some conversation during the hearing that touched on the rights of token purchasers, particularly in terms of rescission rights and the nature of investment contracts. Coinbase's defenses were brought up. Coinbase defended its position by stating that the assets in question are not securities. So that's obviously the biggest issue here. And that they that any transactions being made, uh, that's not their responsibility. They're simply offering a place for people to buy and sell cryptocurrency. They stress that in the absence of a specific investment contract, these are just transactions. So that is kind of the extent of what was sort of touched in the pre-hearing. And now let's compare that before we close out today with what happened in the hearing. Because again, we're all just sort of speculating where this is going to go until we see the judge's written findings. Uh, we'll, we'll all be wondering. But the hearing itself had really some interesting developments and some great quotes which are out there that I don't need to belabor. But it looks like, I think, in my opinion, that Coinbase really came out of this very, very 
uh, very well suited and teeing this up for a great legal argument. Their, their counsel did an outstanding job in, in handling uh, the court's questions and in presenting the issues. They even had a beautiful PowerPoint, which of course none of us got to see, but the court was impressed with, I think. So I think overall, this was perceived as being a very strong showing for Coinbase. The judge is going to obviously take her time. I don't know if it'll be a matter of days, weeks, or months. I think it'll be a matter of days, maybe a couple of weeks, and we get an order. I don't know that it'll be months because I think she did so much preparation in advance of this hearing that I think this memo is probably uh, already sketched out uh, with respect to the law. And now the judge is going to plug in what was uh, brought up during the hearing. So the judge's law clerks will probably get transcript of the hearing, start to take it apart and start to really flesh out the opinion. And then once the law clerks sort of flesh it out, generally, then the judge will then obviously uh, take what the law clerks have provided as raw material and draft the final order. And the judge will, will I think, draft a very, very good uh, detailed order, which is important because this judge is going to most likely at some point in this, be it after trial, most likely be appealed on this. So the judge is going to want a solid order. The judge is going to want to make sure that this order is going to uh, stand up on appeal and that her decisions are going to be fair and in keeping with the law. I think the staking as a service is an issue that I, I think is definitely in play here. Um, I think if we if we read what the judge was saying during her questions about the securities aspect of this, I don't know that she's buying that Coinbase is offering investment contracts. Whether we're going to go as far as to see a decision as to the 13 tokens mentioned in the lawsuit and whether they are investment contracts, or I think it's 12 tokens. I apologize if I'm wrong about that. Wait, we'll just have to wait to see. So that is sort of the... TLDR, as far as what happened, I think we may come out of this if I'm going to make predictions in closing today's episode. And if anyone has any questions or comments, feel free to raise a hand before we wrap up. But I think we're going to see potentially here an opportunity finally to challenge the Howey test, to stop measuring digital assets by Supreme Court precedent, which could never have contemplated the existence of blockchain technology and digital assets. And I think this may open the door finally for the Supreme Court, perhaps stepping in if it goes that far, to actually crafting a test for whether a cryptocurrency offering is an investment contract and thereby a security, which involves a different criteria than the simple Howey test that we're currently stuck with. The SEC is not going to back down on their position that everything out there is a security and is an investment contract. I don't think they're going to give up any ground. I don't see much likelihood of a settlement in this case because of what is at stake for Coinbase. And Coinbase's legal team is definitely digging in for a fight here. So stay tuned on this one. I hope you all enjoyed this. If you did, uh, by all means, Give a like and a follow. If you missed it, you can hear it back on the X spaces or it will be up, probably will upload this this weekend to Spotify and Apple Podcast. Again, I always, always appreciate you taking time out of your day. Uh, give this a retweet. 
when it closes, if you think it will be of value to anyone out there in the space. And uh, hope to see you again next week, working on getting some guests in for 2024. So hopefully we'll have some fun on LexLine. And uh, thank you again, everyone, for tuning in. I appreciate it and have a great Friday and a wonderful weekend.